People think that immigration is the number one issue for Hispanic community. It is not. He separated families. He put children in cages. I can still go out of business at any moment, even though I've been holding out for the past eight months. We're not a monolithic uh, block. The Latino vote has the power right now to resolutely and without a question change the outcome of this election. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news stories? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one conversation with our reporters every week, right here, right now. The Debrief. Welcome into the Debrief Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Cooperstein, in for David Ushery. This election marks a milestone. For the first time, Latinos will be the largest racial or ethnic minority group in the electorate. 32 million Hispanic people are eligible to vote, and that makes up 13% of the electorate. It's a big number. And Latinos are going to play a critical role in a number of hotly contested battleground states. We're talking Florida, Arizona, Nevada, and Texas. And with so much at stake, News 4's Ravietta and the I-Team Election Project take an inside look at the power of Latino voters, what drives them, and what has them concerned. At her dance and yoga studio in the Bronx, Yosara Trujillo prides herself on still being here. I had to survive the shock of, of, of the pandemic, being at home with my eight-year-old by myself and being sick. The COVID survivor now clawing to keep the lights on. I can still go out of business at any moment, even though I've been holding out for the past eight months. For her, this election is about far more than just casting a ballot. It's the hope that democracy still means something. The Latino vote has the power right now to resolutely and without a question change the outcome of this election. Indeed, Latinos represent 13 percent of eligible voters in the U.S., with the numbers slightly higher in New York and New Jersey. They are numbers, says Frankie Miranda from the nonpartisan Hispanic Federation, that cannot be ignored. Depending on the swing states or many of the battleground states, we have a significant percentage of the vote. And when you see that also the, t- the race is so tied, a few votes can make a big, big difference. Both campaigns are keenly aware. You have seen it more, the candidates trying to talk to Latinos. Trump, lucha por nosotros. Es hora de un líder con cuentas claras. But messaging to Latinos is as complicated as the community itself. We're not a monolithic uh, block. We are very diverse, and there are other factors that affect the way that we react to issues. How many generations we have been in the United States. If you look at Cubans in Miami, are very different from Cubans in New Jersey. In Bergen County, Israel Delgado and his pal Fernando Alonso are a case in point. Who are you supporting and why? I'm supporting uh, Biden primarily because of everything that's happened with the COVID. When I hear Trump saying, there's a vaccine around the corner, you've been saying that for how long already? I would think that the Hispanic community and why I'm supporting Trump is law and order, but more importantly, the economy. People think that immigration is the number one issue for Hispanic community. It is not. What do you think the main thing is? Prosperity. You want to be able to provide for your family. The economy is the number one issue for Hispanic voters, according to the Pew Research Center. It's followed by health care, the pandemic, racial and ethnic inequality and violent crime. Who's voting for the first time? The diversity of opinions clear with this group of Latino students at Mercy College in Dobbs Ferry. What's the most important issue for you this election season? 
he separated families, he put children in cages. And that's very animalistic. That's not the right way to handle things. It concerns me that I got to tense up when a cop stops me. And having someone in office who can actually put a regulation to that. Seeing somebody that it's from the White House that controls the entire United States, not to follow that data about the coronavirus. Most have made up their minds. Raise your hand if you're undecided. According to the Pew Research Center, she's actually in the minority. A poll at the beginning of October found 63% of Hispanics supporting Biden and 29% backing Trump. One twist, the president has much higher support among men than women. In the Bronx, that makes Yosada angry. He does not represent your values. He does not represent what's important to you. He does not represent God or Christianity or conservative values at all. Thank you for doing your civic duty. No matter what side Latino voters are on, the Hispanic Federation is on a mission to get them to the polls and fight lies that may keep them away. Even the misinformation of like, oh, all Latinos are going to vote this way or the other. It also creates kind of like this idea that the election is already resolved, that the election is already decided. Now let's bring in Ray Vieta, who just put together that wonderful piece. And Ray, it's so great to talk to you more about this topic that I know is personally important for you. I'm curious, after you did all that reporting, what was something that surprised you about what you learned? I think what surprised me, first off, it was great to do something like this because I, my family's from Honduras, Honduras Central America. I've always grown up watching TV and never saw a lot of reflection of people that look like us, that look, that are Latinos on, you know, English language television. And the reason I say that is because at home, I grew up watching a lot of Spanish language as well. Um, so I wanted to set out to do something that shows, you know, everyone watching the diversity of our vote, the Latino vote. And what stood out to me the most, I think, after talking to, you know, groups of students who are first time voters versus people who have been voting for years and decades is the diversity in what's bringing them to the polls. You know, I think a lot of people think, oh, you're Latino, you're voting on immigration. Immigration is a hot topic. And it is a hot topic for those of us who have families that recently came to this country or are one, one or two generations removed. But by and large, what I saw throughout the interviews was that immigration actually was not the top, the top subject, the top reason people were going to the polls. It was healthcare. It was crime. It was the economy. The economy was a really huge force driving people to the polls, driving Latinos to the polls. So I think what stood out to me was the fact that immigration, as much as it is such a hot topic, was not the main reason Latinos are going to the polls this year. What was it about the economy? that matters the most. And now, especially we're in a time where you can't talk about the election without the intersection of the pandemic and the pandemic, not only as a, a health concern, but as an economic concern with what it's done, not just in the tri-state, but uh, nationwide. And I think the facts are out there that brown and black communities are the ones that suffered the blunt force of this pandemic as far as their jobs being affected. A lot of Latinos were not able to work from home. And so I think for them, for a lot of folks I spoke with, that's the number one motivator. The economy, the loss of jobs, particularly within our community, is why they're going out there, is why they're voting, is why they feel so strongly about this election, because they're very concerned about not just their lives health-wise, but their livelihood 
as far as their jobs, because so many have seen one or two parents, for example, lose their jobs and the stimulus relief only going so far. So I think that was the reason so many people, at least that I spoke with, are going out there and and seeing the firsthand effects. Like, you know, a lot of students are doing remote learning now. A lot of students are not even going back to school because their parents can't afford it. So the economy was the reason, was what I found from talking to everyone. That was what was motivating them. And the reason being because our community has been so hard hit by the pandemic, because you can't talk about the economy without talking about the pandemic this year. And we saw that intersection, Ray, when you talked to Yosada Trujillo from the Bronx in her dance studio. She got COVID. She got sick. For for someone like that, is, is, is she hopeful about, uh, we mentioned the large voting bloc, the power of Latino voters, but historically in the last, certainly in the last few elections, uh, the turnout rate of Hispanic voters has been lower than other groups. Is, is she hopeful that that could change now in 2020? I think she's hopeful, but she's also cautious because of the fact that Latinos are not a monolithic bloc. She herself being Afro-Latina comes from a divided family where she says, I know family members of mine in Florida voted for President Trump, whereas she is very much against President Trump. For her, it was it was interesting to see that she's optimistic and she's hopeful, but at the same time, even within her own family, she feels that division. And so she's worried that they will come out to vote, just not the way that she would like them to come out to vote. You know, one thing I have to ask you before we let you go is you're at Mercy College. You talked to those students. I thought that was such an interesting scene in the piece. And and you had them raise their hand. If they're undecided, there was one undecided voter. It's so hard in this election with so much enthusiasm. People are so passionate. So many people voted early because they made up their minds a long time ago. Do you know why that undecided voter is on the fence still at this point in the election? So I asked her that right before the second debate. And she said she just felt like she needed to hear more from both sides. I think she was a little timid to express more of that, given the fact that, as you mentioned, everyone is so passionate and those students around her were so passionately on one side of the fence versus the other. And I think she didn't want to elaborate too much just because she didn't want to feel uncomfortable. But her main answer was that she needed to hear from both sides more. And interestingly enough, to talk about the diversity of you know the Latino vote, she herself is Honduran from Central America and the first to graduate, the first to attend college. Not everyone, not all Latinos are voting Democrat, not all Latinos are voting Republican. You can see that even in her undecided answer. It's so important for us to remember that and certainly for the candidates as well. Ray, really great to talk to you. Thanks for bringing this topic to the forefront. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's welcome in Frankie Miranda, the president of the Hispanic Federation, who we just heard from and raised peace there. Thank you so much, Frankie, for the time today. Really looking forward to diving deeper into some of these important topics about the election when it comes to Latinos. And one of the things that we saw in that story, Frankie, is this huge voting block, 32 million eligible Hispanic voters. It's a hotly contested election, and we've seen it in these campaign ads targeting voters in Spanish. What have you noticed different about 2020 versus previous elections when it comes to the outreach to Hispanic voters? Well, first, we thank you, Adam, for having me. Uh, I think that first we need to start with talking about the pandemic and the disproportionate impact that the pandemic had on communities of color, but especially uh, Latino community. 
the Federation has been around since uh, 1990, and we are based in New York, but we have offices around the United States. And having headquarters in New York, we saw from a very uh, privileged or very unique point of view, the impact of the pandemic in our community. New York was the epicenter, and we have to immediately start uh, reacting to the fact that Latinos were first for essential workers were the ones stocking the the shelves and delivering the food, allowing many of us to stay home safe. And they were getting all the highest impact with regards to infections, a loss of jobs, and also unfortunately, uh, the death of family members and people in the Latino community. So this is the biggest concern for the Latino bloc. It is about COVID-19 response it's about healthcare and it's about jobs. And also for the younger Latinos, it has been the new uh, conversation around racial justice in our country. We've seen, Frankie, this election cycle, much more enthusiasm on both sides overall compared to the previous one in 2016. But I noticed a Pew Research Center survey that showed Latino voters are less likely than all U.S. voters to be extremely motivated to vote in this this presidential election. And I'm wondering, do you, do you expect that to change it all based on what you just said, the disproportionate impact from COVID and the issues that matter to Latino voters? Do you, do you think that there could be an uptick in Latino turnout, which has historically been below other ethnic groups? The, the, my response to this is that I think that, and also a little bit on the, on the first question, um, what we have seen different, the level of misinformation and disinformation targeting our communities has been something that we have not seen before. Uh, while many states and many board of elections have been trying to increase or add more opportunities for people to be able to vote safely, there has been an effort to try to intimidate and also create confusion in our community. When you have a community that has been disproportionate impact by the pandemic, they sometimes feel that they need to weigh in staying healthy or their right to vote. So all of this has been, Adam, what we have been trying to work against it. It is not just the mobilization and creating the enthusiasm. It is also trying to just counter that bad information that unfortunately have been targeting our community. There are many sectors in the United States that are interested that the Latino vote will not come out. And they are already doing all of these efforts to try to prevent us from coming out. And that has been the hard work of many organizations like Hispanic Federation and other sister organizations across the country in their work to really try to talk to them. Latino voters make up a significant portion of the voters in some very important swing states, Florida, Arizona, Nevada, Texas. And I'm wondering what's being done, you, you know, with the Hispanic Federation and other groups to counter that suppression that you're speaking over the misinformation. What are you doing on the ground? What are you all doing out there on social media or the Internet? It, as you as you mentioned, you know, um, it is it is really important to mobilize our community, educate them and get them excited to go out and vote. 
But this pandemic had changed the rule. Normally, what we have done in the past, in past elections, is to go to festivals, going to where Latinos gather, uh, trying to just talk to them one-on-one, be able to canvas some of these uh, neighborhoods. So we have to, because of the pandemic, have to shift, and we have been engaging Latinos uh, by establishing hotlines and establishing uh, uh partnership with media partners like NBC and Telemundo and asking them to call us with all of their questions. We are using uh, text technology. We're texting Latinos. We have a high level of use of smartphones because many Latinos may not have a computer at home, but they do have a smartphone. This is the way that they communicate with many of their family members in their countries of origin. So we're engaging them via text. We're doing caravans or caravanas where we are in cars and we're just creating the excitement in neighborhoods with music, trying to create that kind of excitement that exists in some of our countries of origin, that when they come to the United States, when many people come to the United States, we lose them. We feel that our vote doesn't matter. And we're telling them, we're telling Latinos that in some of the very narrow margin on many of these swing stakes, our vote is going to be the one deciding it. It is a challenge. You guys are working really hard at it. I do know that turnout among Latinos in 2016 was below 50%, and it was even lower than 2012 and even lower than 2008's presidential election. Do you expect an uptick this year based on what you've seen so far? Well, what we have seen um, right now on this election is that the early participation and voting by mail uh, from Latinos have quadrupled. We have seen an, in, an increase in the percentage, historic numbers in this early participation. And we know that between now and the end of early voting, for example, in New York on Sunday or in New Jersey, where people have, still have time to mail in their ballots or drop their ballot or anything, or even on November 3rd, we know that Latinos are going to come out in big numbers. Our main goal is that the day after the election, regardless of the outcome of the presidential race, that the headline will be that Latinos came out in record numbers. Let's talk about that influence now, because it will it will play a role in the outcome of this election. If what you're saying is true and that turnout, especially in those swing states, is as high as it's expected to be. And right now, Frankie, um, I think some people, I don't know, maybe they will be surprised. Maybe they won't be surprised. But you, you mentioned in the story with Ray, Latino voters are not monolithic. And that's important, sure. especially if you live in one community, you may think so. But this is a very big country with lots of different groups within that title of Latino. And the national poll that's most recently come out among Hispanic voters shows Joe Biden with a 63-29 advantage over President Trump. But among Hispanic men, that goes to 59.35. Curious what you think is behind the fact that, according to the polls, there's more support for the president within Hispanic men. We need to think about what are the people that are being polled uh, in, in some of these surveys, right? Uh, our community, depending on the issue or depending on how long the, this individual had been in the United States, their opinions and the way that they think about the elections is going to be different. It is very different the way that Venezuelans that have been living in the United States for 
quite some time to the ones that had been displaced because of the political uh, upheaval that had been happening in Venezuela or Cubans. Cubans in Miami are going to be very different from Cubans from New Jersey. So it is important that candidates talk to our community, not in just general terms or just general topics. They need to talk to them about their concerns. Yes, there are overarching concerns right now that are affecting our community. As I mentioned before, the pandemic, uh, healthcare, losses of job, the economy, and also uh, social justice. So when we think about some of the candidates, when you feel that you are at a disadvantage, some people will be thinking in one way or another. But my my um, general message to everybody is that regardless of what is what is motivating you, we need you to go to the polls because the more that we vote, the more attention that we are going to get. And some of these uh, terrible disparities that have been affecting our community will be better addressed if we're participating and we're engaging in in the uh, election process. In New York and New Jersey, Frankie, Latino voters overwhelmingly vote Democrat. And uh, Telemundo did a poll in Florida recently, which showed a very tight race among likely Latino voters, 48% supporting Biden, 43% saying they back Trump. And you just touched on this, the difference between uh, Cuban voters in Florida, Cuban voters in New Jersey. There's very different age discrepancies. But for people here listening to this podcast, a lot of them being from the tri-state, and they hear that number, they might be surprised. Wow, you know, 43% of likely Latino voters in Florida support President Trump, who's very unpopular among Latino voters in the tri-state. How can you explain to them what accounts for that? My my take on this is that it's highly influenced by the, um, uh, the narrative that uh, Biden is somebody that is supporting some entitlement programs uh, that has been somehow equated with socialism. That, in a way, will move the Cuban and some of the Venezuelan vote in Florida thinking that, and we have seen this over and over, we don't want to equate anything or participate or support anything that equates socialism that could have any reminders of the situation in Cuba or the situation in Venezuela. But for many other people in our community who have lost jobs, who have been uh, not had access to health care, who had pre-existing condition, that same message of the entitlements or programs that will help the community, those at a disadvantage feel that this candidate Biden will be the one that will be resolving some of their concerns. Think about, again, uh, Puerto Rico, uh, the response to Puerto Rico's emergency, who unfortunately, you know, my family's there. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. After Hurricanes Irma and Maria, the response from FEMA by their own admission was ineffective. And some people even call it criminal. Everybody in Puerto Rico understands that the president and this White House has abandoned the island and has forced many of them to relocate as climate refugees to other parts of the United States. So this is the way that we can explain that some of these polling, depending on where you go or where you're doing it, you are going to have very different results. It's not going to be the same if you do the poll in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, or we do it in Florida, or we go to California, Nevada, or 
Arizona. We need to understand that the Latino vote it is not just one size fits all, that depending on where we live, how long we have been here, and what is our particular situation, we're going to uh, react in a different way. And candidates need to understand that. we They need to talk earlier to the community. They need to have a constant engagement with the community. And the same way that they treat people in Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, North Carolina, and other swing states in a different way, and they talk to them in a different way, they also need to talk to us in a different in a different matter. Yeah, such a good point. Frankie, it was great talking to you. Thank you so much for the time. Mucho gusto. It's been a pleasure. Un placer. Muchísimas gracias. Thank you, Adam. And thank you all for listening. And a big thanks to our production team as well. Melissa Mack, Darren Price, and Ben Berkowitz. I'm your host, Adam Cooperstein. We hope you'll join us again next time on The Debrief. 